0: I just appreciate the opportunity to talk to all of y'all and everybody who's listening. It, it is indeed my pleasure. And uh, I always start it with kind of the same thing there is a God, I'm not Him. And uh, I like to make certain that people know the reason I'm standing here trying to do this is I'm being faithful to what I feel like God has put on my heart. But you always test whatever I say by the Word of God. Okay? And. That's that's very important to me, that people realize that who you're listening to needs to be here, talking to here. I'm just trying to direct you to that communication. So anyway, today I I wanted to try to start it with with maybe a little bit of a video to give you an idea of things. In my career, I've traveled a little more than a million miles. And I have one of those special cards that says that I've been more than a million miles. And, uh, and then when I read things that say, you know, every time zone you travel through, takes a year off your life, I'm thinking, wow, I'm on borrowed time, all right? And so, uh, but uh, as I've traveled in all these different places, there are certain criteria and things that I had seen all along the way. And so one of those things as I was traveling last week was baggage. I don't know if you've noticed, we all have stuff. We've got, we've got baggage. And, and we will argue with people about our baggage. We will squish as much as we can into our baggage. We will try to get baggage on for free and we'll take 12 bags to a one hour trip. I mean, it's just the way we roll. But I wanna show you something and maybe give us something to think about. So again, as I was thinking about us traveling and the places that we go, we always have to carry stuff with us. There's always that emergency pack, mm-hmm. stuff we need. And then I realized that we all have stuff. And I'm not just talking about the physical stuff, I'm talking about the stuff that weighs on us. That stuff that we carry with us no matter where you go, there you are, well your burdens went right there with you. And as you travel and, and deal with life, I realize there's no short list of stuff. There's There's the job stuff. We all deal with crazy things on the job. Then there's the relationship stuff. That could be family or or anything. And heaven forbid, there's that health stuff. Both ourselves or our loved ones. And then it's that time of year for the parenting stuff. All of that comes to the surface. And then there's our financial stuff. The bottom line is, whatever it is, we all have stuff. And then we come to church, or we come online, or or we come someplace where we want to be with Jesus for a moment of the week. And what really puzzles me is that how easy it is for us to try to hide our stuff. Sometimes we're not realistic with one another. We pretend. We ignore. And then we tell everybody, hey, I'm fine. It's all good. But we're not really fine at all. But we're good at acting like it. We're not even close. <laughs> and that's because we all have stuff that we carry around every day, sometimes just quietly. But you know, I'm not here today just to talk about your stuff. I want to tell you the good news. Jesus wants your stuff. He wants all of you, including your stuff. He doesn't run from our stuff. He's not intimidated by it. He wants us to dump it from our trembling hands right into his because the weight of it all, he can carry and deliver. He wants all your stuff. He wants to carry its weight. So I'm here today to tell you to bring it on. Bring on your worry and anxiety. Bring on your past, your present, and your future. Bring your fear and anger and anxiety, bring your unanswered prayers, bring your health issues, bring your marriage issues right here. Bring your children here, bring your divorce here, bring your hopes and your dreams here. Bring the desires of your heart here, your victories and your defeats, your loneliness and your abandonment, your regrets, your failures. Bring them here. Bring all that stuff to Christ. Because he can handle it all and you don't have to worry anymore. You're not alone. There is a place, a safe place for you. It's at the foot of the cross and in the hands of Christ. He loves you and he cares about you. He wants you to empty the suitcase. Leave your stuff here. That's why we come every week. That's why you're tuning in online. Bring your stuff the reason I wanted to bring that is because I feel like we all try to fake it until we make it and I need you to know there's a transparency in our lives that's liberating there's a reason the scripture says the truth will set you free Sometimes it's just realizing you are not alone in your situation, but you've been led to believe you are because certainly no one can be feeling the way you do. And that's not the truth. So today I, I want to talk to you about just bringing your stuff. That transparency that's necessary. Do you have stuff? We talk about got milk. Well, I'm telling you right now, got stuff. And if you're sitting here today and you say, no, I'm good, look at the person next to you that you came with and say, "Do I have stuff, and I'll guarantee you they have a list. Everybody's got stuff. Our issues may not be the same. We may not handle them in the same way. We may handle them in different ways. But there is one thing for certain. We all have issues. We've all got stuff. And none of us are perfect. That's what makes a relationship with Jesus So important for all of us. Because he can bridge the gap between our our miseries and uncertainties and his deliverance. He can bridge the gap between all the stuff we deal with and all the solutions we seek. He helps us to get there. And even the people in the Bible have stuff. All right? Short list. Mark was rejected. Hosea's wife, she was a prostitute. Jacob was a liar. David had an affair. Solomon was too rich. Peter was afraid of death. John was self-righteous. Paul was a murderer. Miriam was a gossip. Gideon and Thomas both doubted everything. Jeremiah was depressed and suicidal. Elijah was burned out. John the Baptist was a loud mouth. Moses had a short fuse, and so did Peter. bad stuff but it's their amazing transitions and journey and perseverance from stuff and issues folk, the things that we were focused on before they knew Jesus into a testimony of gratitude and deliverance. you see Jesus changed their destination he took care <laughs> of all of their baggage he took care of all of their baggage. He changed their destination. Do you need your destination changed today? Is there some stuff that you're holding on to that's like an anchor dragging behind you? You need your destination changed. We need Jesus. If you want to change your focus from the stuff that's going on in your life to a life of inspiration and deliverance, you need Jesus for that. You can't do those things on your own. You can't. As self-confident and control-free oriented as we all are, there are things that we cannot control. There are things we cannot change. But the grace of God can change them for us and can change us and our perspective of life in general. But this is really more of what we've experienced. You've all seen those things where the lady goes to the zoo in the middle of India someplace and she's shocked that the monkeys ripped the mirrors off her car. See, when we have stuff, what we do is sometimes we seek out people to talk to about our stuff. okay? And then sometimes there are those well-intentioned Christians who would love to talk to you about your stuff. And then the next thing you know, there's this ravaging moment where your stuff is everywhere and everybody knows about it. And so you're like, wait a minute, I was talking to you, I thought we were praying. Well, I was just praying with you. And you put it on Facebook? You told all the monkeys my stuff? Well, I was just asking them to pray for you. Have you ever seen prayer and gossip go together? Oh, could you please pray for Zelda? You know, she's got this problem and that problem and she really needs to go. Do you not think simply saying, please pray for is not sufficient? God knows her need. You don't need to detail it. You don't need to tell people that genuinely don't care about her stuff. But what's happened is the more people I encounter, I realize they've had this experience where they they trusted someone. And their trust got violated with their stuff. And now all of a sudden they apply our inconsistencies to God. And they say, wow, if you are his representative, I don't want anything to do with him. That sounds harsh, doesn't it? But that's the responsibility. As people in this room who believe in Jesus, that's the responsibility you have. You are representing him. And so the the damage that can be done in this type of situation with people with stuff who genuinely are seeking answers, wishing that God would hear them, you're a bridge to introduction. You need to handle it cautiously and carefully because it's not just you they will get angry at. It's not just you on Facebook that gets a... They begin to apply that to God. Is this what God is going to do? Is this what's going to happen when I trust Jesus? Am I going to get ravaged? Exposed? There's a grace and mercy that comes with the the love of God. There's a grace and mercy that comes with the deliverance of God. There's a grace and mercy that comes from your relationship with God that allows you and him to deal with stuff and to know and discern who to share your stuff with. So if your focus is constantly on balancing and accommodating your stuff and your issues, then how do you have the energy or ability to enjoy the journey and to step out into God's purpose for your life? How do you have time to enjoy the journey? You know, I I was looking at some baseball videos, and the guy was like, I was—he's one of the the number one again. I could give you a name, but it really doesn't matter to me because I don't know. But I just <laughs> know I was watching him and listening, and he said I was really intimidated. And he's like the home run king, and and I'm, what is he intimidated by? He goes, you know, the the fear of being in front of large crowds freaked me out. He could have let that prevent him from being the home run champion. Because he was afraid to walk out into the stadium and hear the crowd roar for him because he was like all of a sudden feeling like a public speaker. And everybody's eyes were on him. What if I fail? What if I fail? So he could have let all those issues, sorry, the monkey's back, he could have let all those issues <laughs> prevent him from experiencing the victory of follow through, the victory of, of being the, the home run derby champion. But he didn't want his issues to prevent him from enjoying the journey. He knew that was a call and a purpose on his life. So where I'm getting at today is what is it that's the desire of your heart that there's something holding you from? I hear this a lot. Does God really care? When you talk to people that don't know Jesus and don't know and don't believe in God and really don't understand the concept of of there is a God and I'm not him, they always ask, you know, does he really care about me? Well, does he really care about you? Does he care that you are, are not always fine? Yes. If you've been sold a bill of goods that says, as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will never have a day where you, are, you, will, you will never be sad again, that is a lie. Well, you'll never feel uncertainty again. That is a lie. Well, you'll never question again if if there's a purpose or if there's something else I need to be doing. That is a lie because we're all fallible. We're human beings. But we are dependent on God's grace to pull us through our uncertainty into his certainty, which is, yes, I have a purpose for you. I have a plan for your life. I love you. It's going to be okay. Things are going to work out. I've got you back. You may not know all that's going on, but trust me. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, give all of your worries and cares to God, for he cares about what happens to you. All that stuff, name it. Give it to him. Don't let it identify you. Let it be something you look to him to deliver you from. Whatever your struggle, whatever your issue, public or private, it doesn't matter. I don't need to know. You just need to know who to go to. God cares for you. He cares for you. I don't know why I kept coming back to this going, God, is this the message to did? I felt very severely that there are folks here and online that need to know this little line right here. He cares for you. I say it at home. I say I give a hoot. That's our code for I care for you because I want to make sure he's listening when I'm talking. So I use really weird comical words every now and then. But he does. He cares. He cares. It matters. You matter. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, the thoughts of peace and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. God wants you to know you have a future. You have hope. He doesn't want you to ever feel void or wonder if that maybe somehow you were forgotten or somehow you, you steps outside the frame. No, there's. he has his thoughts on you and the Lord has said it's for peace and not evil and it's to give you a future and a hope. If you can't wrap your brain around anything else, believe God has a future and a hope for you. You are not hopeless if you know Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior. I want to remind you of the original Hebrew definition of hope. Hope in the original Hebrew meant confident expectation. We have polluted it. Hope for us now is, well, I hope so. You're going to make it? I hope so. Which means probably not. I doubt it. Don't count on it. Trying to make you feel better. Hope so. But when the word hope is used in Scripture... It means, I confidently expect God to deliver me. So let's unpack it a little bit. We make everything so complicated. Hebrews reminds us, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with us or our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet he did not sin. The scripture is saying, "Look, he's not that high and lofty place. He walked among us. He knows that there are things that we face every day, and that is there are challenges, that there are issues, that there are things to overcome, that there are people that you have to deal with every day that are not very nice. He gets it. He's not looking down from on high as though, oh well, you know that kind of pious. No, he walked. There was a reason that he walked with the disciples." There was a reason. He wanted to relate. He wanted us to be able to relate to him. He wanted us to know he understands. He gets it. It's a complicated life. So, what are you going through right now? And have you believed the lie that you're alone? I can't tell you how many people I encounter every week who say, you wouldn't understand. You, you probably couldn't get what I'm going through. There's nobody who get it. And then as they unwrap their story, all of a sudden you go, well, actually, yeah. But because they didn't know that I had had an experience similar. They didn't know that, that oh, well, you should talk to so-and-so who had this happen to them. And then in that horrible situation, like um, I was, this was years ago, I had 96. I was about to go, I think I've told you this, I was about to go to China, and uh, me and, me and uh, Tons and Roll Aids were getting along really well. I should have bought stock. So I finally decided I should probably go get that checked out. And I had my plane ticket was leaving the next day, and I go to see a general practitioner. I didn't even have a doctor at this point, so I had like, yellow page, back. For those of you millennials, that's a book with stuff in it that Anyway, <laughs> I had to go, I had to go uh, look up the name Uh, of somebody nearby so I found this guy and I said okay can I get an appointment today he said sure come in so he's like okay and I'm trying to explain next thing you know he's doing this little you know touch your stomach thing and I'm like and he goes well uh, can you change your trip and I was like why I need roll aids or Zantac or whatever it is but and he said no I I think maybe you should change your trip we're gonna find out I had a, a 12 pound tumor that was pressing all of my organs to one side of my body. And the reason I had acid reflux is nothing was going the way it needed to go. I had no idea, completely functional. But those aren't stories, you go put it out. You don't go in the food line and go, hey, I had a tumor. You know? You, you wait. You wait until somebody says, Oh man, I don't know what to do. I got this little lump thing right here and I don't know. And then you know, huh? Yeah, I got this little lump thing right here and I don't and then I'm like, oh have I got a miracle story for you. Let me tell you how this one worked out. And then by the time they pick their teeth off the floor, they, they go, you know, and i nothing but a thing. And that's the point of the bad things that can happen to us can be transformed into the miraculous moments where God delivered you. You went through it. You came out of it. Now you're able to tell that story and minister to someone else and say, you know, there's life you know you're going to survive. It's going to be okay. How do I know I'm not in the cheap seats? I'm not just quoting you scriptures that I don't believe or live. I've walked through it. Every one of those people that I listed in the Bible has a story and it all started really bad but ended up pretty awesome. Just like us. We all have a story but you know something? When you interject Jesus into the story it becomes testimony. It's now you can say this is beyond me there is no reason that I had to go and and, uh, give blood so they could save it up because I had all these meetings where they said well you know if you can bleed out on the table and all these horrible scenarios because they want to prepare you for everything which there's some things that I don't need to know okay just just tell me what to do and I'll follow directions but don't tell me all the reasons why All alright but, but they have a need to tell, so hey, we're in. So I'm saving up all this, this blood and, and all this stuff, waiting for, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Am I going to come out and, you know, how is this going to work out? I had no idea when I rolled in what was going to roll out. No idea. But now, I, on the flip side of that, more than 20 years later, I can say God was miraculous. They, they didn't need any of it. Everything went perfectly. It was completely fine. I'm completely fine. God is an awesome God. But there were parts of the story where uncertainty crept in. There were parts of the story where I was asking everybody to please pray. And then there comes a moment, somewhere between gurney and operating room, where you're like, it is finished. There's nothing more I can do. It's up to you. We all have those moments, and if you're willing to share those with other people, I'm not talking about the monkeys ripping the stuff off the car, but the people in your life who need to know that God is real for you. And you know what's really interesting in sharing your stories about what God has done? People have to be on the receiving end of it. So I can run up to somebody, and when I go to an oncology appointment or whatever, I can run up to somebody and say, hey, this happened! This happened! But if they're not ready for that, I'm a nut job. Alright? And so is God at that point. Another crazy religious person. But if you can use your discerner and change your story into the testimony where Jesus delivered you, and then you wait for your moment, you will change someone's life and redirect them to Christ at the same time and you will redeem that horrible thing that happened to you. No matter what it was, it will be redeemed, and in a moment, worth it. So it's time to make a decision. Do you believe you have value beyond yourself? I can't tell you how many people that I meet who identify themselves with their issue. They don't want to, you know, hi I'm John, I'm an alcoholic. And as a chaplain, when I travel around, I, I see those folks a lot. And and they will say, and I'm a recovering alcoholic. And I'm glad that he's recovering. But I have to pull sometimes, I'll pull him in and they'll say, You're John. You're John. Your Jesus loves you, John. You're delivered, and I'm grateful. And I know it's a struggle going through the challenges that you are, but when you're showing me your 30-year coin, you're the the John Jesus loves. You're the John that's delivered. Let's start changing that moniker a little bit. I'm not trying to offend anybody. I know that's a hard road to hoe. But my point is, don't let your issue be your identifier. Let your Savior be your identifier. You You still struggle with your issue. And God is still helping you. But acknowledge your future. Acknowledge the hope. Give people an opportunity. To see. It says you will know them by the light in their eyes. And that means that there's something in your spirit that when you meet other people, they can just see and know. Have you ever met somebody and when you meet them, you know, woo, they're irritating. You can see it. You see it coming. You're like, wow. Right? So you're cautious. The same is true if you love Jesus and He's in your heart, no matter what's going on, people will gravitate to you and say, Well, you know, I don't know why, but could you help me with this? Nicholas knows I'll be in the middle of a store, and I don't know a soul, and I'm pushing a cart down the aisle, and somebody will come at me and we'll make eye contact, and in five minutes I'll know everything there is to know about this person. And she doesn't even know my first name yet. But it's something that says, I can talk to you. This so is something different. We all need to seek that difference that people see, And it's not in what you say, it's not always in what you do, it's just that something that through relationship, through time on your knees, through time with God, through reading the scriptures, through knowing his word, through believing what you're hearing and doing what he says, that it changes you. And now you don't have to say a word, they just know. You must know something. I can see it. Yeah, there's every somebody say, Wow, you're, there's a peace about you, and I can't figure out what it is. And I'm okay creeping them out with peace. That's good. <laughs> and you know something? When you're in a situation and everyone is panicking, and you're not, they start to notice, what is up with you? Why are you calm? Because I'm not dependent on me. In my, I'm like a duck. Under the water, in my heart, me and God, we are talking. Direct, guide, read. But me going, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, is not helping the process. So slow your roll, calm it down. All right, God, show me. And people will see that in you. They will know there's something different. And the people that won't speak to you normally, trust me when I tell you, when stuff happens, your phone will ring. When stuff happens, they'll knock on the door because they saw something that was different. But they had to get to the place to receive the difference. God wants to bless you. He wants to use you. He wants to transform you. He wants to change you. Are you okay with that? For me, I'm like, bring it on. I need all of that. But you got to be willing for those things to happen. He wants you to understand your real value. The value that far exceeds any stuff that you have or, or anything that you've experienced. You are not defined by the sum of the bad things that have happened to you. Your testimony shows that you endured something hard and God was faithful, but it is not redefining who you are. We need to recognize that our value and our benefits and our inheritance, we need to realize how truly great is our God. We need to understand that the Bible is full of promises. And there's a scripture that says that God never lies, and he always keeps his promises. Do you know the promises? I have a feeling sometimes we treat this like the guarantee, like like Nicholas got a little scooter thing for Christmas, and when it broke, I went to that little Ziploc, and I pulled out that pamphlet to find out what exactly I was guaranteed in the service department. I needed to know. But I didn't look at it until I needed it. This is not that way. This, you need to look at it prior to needing it, while you needed it, and when you're done thinking you need it. Okay? This is the constant book of life, right here. There, I challenge you to find any situation, any stuff, any stress, any issue that is not covered in this book. Find it. It is all, amazingly, it is all in here. I keep telling you my story about the garage sale guy because it's, it's just somehow burned in my brain is ridiculous. But I'm at the garage sale. The Bible was in the box of books. And I said, what are you doing? And he goes, <clears throat> and it was like 25 cents. Big leather bound Bible thing. I said, what are you doing? And he goes, oh, I read it. For real? For real. Because I can read. I have highlights in here from when I was in college that meant something to me then." But now when I read them, totally different meaning to me. There are, you know, the the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When we were all at Trinity and we are getting the little classes and getting our certificate, we all remembered that. But now when I'm preaching funerals, it means a whole other thing. Though I walk through the valley in shadow of death. Hey, I don't linger there. I walk through. I'm not hanging out. I walk through. I'm going to the other side. See you later. But as a child, it was just a remembrance. It was something to remember to begin to practice training my heart to memorize scripture that said that God loves me. It changes. As you mature, it matures. As you read more, you understand more. The depth, the deeper you want to go, the more you will see. There are people that study word by word, kind of like the word hope. If you don't care, you don't look into it. Yeah, hope. hope so. To apply today's vernacular. But there was a season in my life where I had to look up every word I needed to know. And now I know hope is confident expectation and I have polluted it. So now I mean it when I say hope. This never grows weary of having answers for you. And you're like, oh my gosh, it's the bagats in the books and the words in the front. Oh, the Pentateuch and then they did this and that and they're all related for 12 chapters okay I get it, can be complicated Psalms okay start there start there I don't understand reading and then the real key to all of this isn't a whole lot of intellectual capital it's time God, I don't understand what you're saying, but could you tell me? Because I don't get it. And then out of that book and off of that page will leave the message for you. It will be for you. And occasionally it'll leap off, and it'll be such a good one you'll share it with somebody else. And then as your life begins to change, and you go, oh my gosh, it was exactly right. You look somewhere else and lo and behold, there's the answer to that other thing I was looking for. It's the Google of life. If I search it, I will find my answers. (laughs) He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and without him we can do nothing. But with him we can do anything. Scripture reminds us of that. He spoke, and all of creation was formed. Pretty powerful. And from the dust on the ground, he blew his breath into him. And guess what? When he blew his breath into Adam, He blew his purpose into us. If you're breathing, it's because there is a purpose for your life. Does God care about me? Take a moment. Okay? If if you're breathing right now, if you're breathing in and out, that's evidence that God is real and he loves and cares for you. And he created you with a purpose. If you are breathing in and out. Because I dare say, on our own, we can't do that. The basics. First John reminds us, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, and that we should be that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. And what they were talking about is, you know, there were people that were going, well, nobody respects us and nobody likes us and they're chasing us from place to place. Well, they didn't know God. They haven't taken time to know him. They don't know he's powerful. They don't know that he answers prayer. They don't know that he can deliver you. They don't know that he can take you from one place to another, that he can take you from the desert to the promised land. They don't. They didn't know. They didn't know. But as children of God, it's kind of like when, as a parent, and your child is asking you for something, you desire to help them. You desire to lead them and to guide them. So much more does your Heavenly Father want to do for you. Your value doesn't decrease based on someone's inability to see your worth, is really what that scripture was trying to tell you. Just because somebody else can't see what God is doing in your life, doesn't mean he's not doing it. And it doesn't mean that your worth has changed one bit. James says, For anyone who hears the word but does not carry it out is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after observing himself, well, he goes away immediately and he forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks intently into the perfect <coughs> law of freedom and continues to do so, not being a forgetful hearer but an effective doer, well, he'll be blessed in what he does looking intently into that perfect law, beginning to understand what God has asked you to do. When you seek to know what God wants you to do in your life, he will answer you. And if you follow his direction, what does it say happens? You'll be blessed in what you do. It's not requiring perfection. It's requiring seeking. It's requiring relationship and trust. Wants want you to ask and call on God Call on me and I will answer you. That's what the scripture says. That's what it's really asking you to do. So when you look looking in the mirror, what do you see? What do you see when you look in the mirror? And I'm not just talking physical apparent kind of thing. What do you see? Do you see your faults and failures? Do you have those conversations with yourself? I do, where you're standing there and you're brushing your teeth and you're thinking about somebody at work yesterday and you go, oh, that was so stupid. Am I the only one that does that? Where you're thinking to yourself, holy moly, they got on my nerves (laughs) yesterday. You're having that conversation. There's stuff going on. You're thinking. Are you thinking about your faults and your failures or maybe the hurtful things people said? Have you allowed that to kind of taint how you see yourself? We need to see ourselves the way God sees us. We need to begin to see the real value that we have. That breath of life that he put in us was for a reason. Do you know your value? Do you know your value? We talk about it on Easter that that he was put on a cross and that he died for our sins and he rose from the dead so that we could have the promise of eternity through our faith in him. He went through all of that for us. That's pretty valuable. Do you know your value? Do you believe that these promises are for you? Do you believe that you're worthy of them? Do you believe that you really can't earn them? You believe that you'll never get it right but you'll do your best and you say, well wait a minute I'll never get it right this isn't about perfection it's about relationship all right so I want to ask you something I was looking into like currency and all that kind of stuff and of course the government defines everything so effectively uh, each bill must be perfect According to the U.S. Department of Treasury, standards of bureau engraving and printing, which is tasked with creating the paper money, and it goes to great lengths to meet its specification of perfection. All right? The currency paper is made specifically by the bureau engraving. It is comprised of 75% cotton, 25% linen, and it has a security thread and a mm-hmm. watermark built in, securing its value. Okay. So, how much is this worth? We give you a hint for those squinting. How much? <laughs> Twenty dollars, right? Looks pretty good, right? It's met the, it's met the certification of perfection by the Department Treasury. I got it from Langley somewhere yesterday, right? So, so we're good, right? All right. How much is it worth? How much is it worth? How much is it worth? Oh, it gets better. Uh-huh. I really like this part. All right. <laughs> That is an ugly color green. How much does it worth? You're not worth a nickel. You're nothing but a crumpled piece of paper. Anything I do is still worth 20? Are you sure? You're positive? Pretty much? You ever notice? And when people say, oh, well, you look really nice today, it sounds like this, right? And we never hear that again. Why did you do that? And we remember that the rest of the week. Yep. This right here, no matter how much I tell it, it's value has changed, how much has it worth? No matter how much people tell you, your value has changed, you are priceless. Your voices. Life has crumpled you up. It has told you lies. It has made you think you are nothing. This shuts that up. Amen. I don't care if your life has been crumpled. God has this amazing ability to straighten stuff out. <clears throat> and you know it's okay if it's a little wrinkly and crinkly. It's the testimony. It's the testimony of deliverance. It's the testimony of what God wants to do for you. Your value has not changed no matter what you have experienced in your life. He died on the cross for you. He cares for you. You are priceless in his sight. We need to get a handle on that. The cross is significant every day. Jeremiah 33.3 3 says, my favorite scripture, you guys hear me say it all the time because I love it. It says, call on me and I will answer you. There's a promise and a guarantee. If you've got something that's crinkled you up, that's making you feel like nothing, he will answer you and deliver you from it. It's time for your transition, for your journey and perseverance from stuff and issues to gratitude and deliverance. Jesus has and will change your destination. He'll take care of all of your baggage. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that you care for us. That you care about all of our issues and our baggage and our worries and our concerns. The things in our lives, God, that have weighed us down and kept us from reaching our potential. Or well, right now, today, I'm asking everybody here and everybody online to agree with me in prayer. God, today, I give you my issues. I give you the things, God, that are heavy on my heart. I give you the things, Lord, that are on my mind that I think about all the time that are just preventing me from having joy and happiness, that are preventing me from moving forward, that are increasing the fear in my life. I, I give those all to you, God. And I ask, Father, that you help me to know how to follow your lead. Thank you, God, for taking our baggage. Help me, Lord, to be able to read your word with clarity. Help me, God, to be able to see and know and understand how to follow you. Help me to hear your voice. And God, right now, if there is anyone in this room, if there is anyone online, If there's anyone, God, who is in, can hear my voice, who does not know you as Lord and personal Savior, help them to know this is not about a worth moment. This is not one of those things where I'm not worthy to ask God to help me. It doesn't matter where you are, God will meet you there. And He will take you by the hand. And He will bring you into a peace that surpasses understanding. All you have to say is, Lord Jesus, please come into my heart. I believe, Lord, that that you died on the cross and you rose from the dead and that, God, you want to help me. And I accept you right now as my Lord and personal Savior. Help me. God, I pray, anyone who prayed that prayer, help them, God, right now to hear with great clarity the words that you speak through your word and the words that you speak, Father, to their hearts, help them to recognize your voice. And Lord, I pray for each one of us that we, God, have ears to hear and the ability, God, to change our destination.